0: hey night owls welcome to isn't it past your bedtime i'm krista
1: and i'm rachel
0: and this episode still october still spooky month we're doing like real spookies uh true crime spookies but to get spookier local spookies so local serial killers
1: which is perfect because i just moved to a new state so we're exposed to a whole new pool of pseudo killers not that there's a ton of them in nebraska but well that's promising at least because like yeah.
0: washington's had a few bellingham has had like five lot. that's like come through bellingham like um ted bundy came through son of sam like the younger one like mm-hmm. went to high school here there's some other ones. There's like a bar in town. That's like, I a mean, the Green River bar. Killer,
1: that's yep. at least in Washington. So like Washington's yeah. had some like pretty notorious serial killers. Yeah. So far and I think he came Nebraska, through too. Oh yeah. I think he did. So far, it doesn't seem like there's very many. Cause when I was looking, I only found like a couple different stories. I only really found one book um about like serial killers in the area i'm gonna guess because it's a midwest state and there's like highway serial killers that we encounter more of that Mm -hmm. so it's not like local necessarily
0: yeah that would make sense yeah the one i was really hoping to do which actually wouldn't have been a murder but it's an unsolved death i guess you could say um but it's like back in like the 60s or something like that they so uh we have bp here in town um just like an oil company and it's the body at boiler nine so they like found like came into work from like the weekend or something and there was a body in one of the boilers um <gasps> they had like two facial reconstruction or not reconstruction, but like drawings done that look completely different and like to this day no one knows who this man was
1: that's and, so like,
0: creepy and like their body was kind of like scratched up because some people were like oh maybe they crawled in because it was cold and they crawled into sleep and died because it was on but into then, like, oil so it wasn't oil it was like an empty vessel but it was like really 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 hot so like they were charred bones got it yeah there's like i was like oh i'll do that but there's no actual books written about it which makes sense because it it would probably have been like 70 pages long or like just conjecture but i was really excited and then i got really sad um so then the other one i was gonna do uh son of sam because like i said the younger one actually like went to high school here um but i already covered him in a previous one so fair i ended up doing the hillside stranglers Because the whole reason that they got caught is because one of them killed in Bellingham and the Bellingham police uh, caught him. Oh, good
1: pick. Can't wait. I didn't realize it was Stranglers with an S. I thought it was one person.
0: Yeah. So the book is The Hillside Strangler by Ted Schwartz. So it was the book was written before the second one's trial completed. Um, Got it. Yeah. So we know now it's Stranglers, it's their cousins um and they did like all the la killings together so like in um the i'm just gonna jump into what it is um i'm not gonna go like into any like graphic details i will say all of the women that they killed they did also sexually assault um but i'm just gonna leave it there like they don't you don't need any other details about the
1: trigger warnings for that book
0: yeah okay um the book itself actually like even the book does not go into graphic detail like at all when it talks about like how okay. these women were killed or anything like that. Um, it's very respectful of the dead women, which I th- it's really well written in that regard. Um, he spends a lot of time like getting in the head of the main killer guy mm-hmm. or like the one that the book's written about. So the two killers are it's uh Ken Biachi and his cousin who's like twenty years older than him, Angelo Buono. I don't know how you say his name. Um, but started, it was like in the mid to late 70s in LA and Hollywood. A whole bunch of women were getting killed. Um, but they were sex workers. So like no one was really caring. Um, but they like dropped like some of the bodies on the hillside and like kind of like threw their bodies out like trash. So it was like very oh, naked horrible. and just like out in the world. Um, so that's how they became a hillside and they were strangling. Every woman was strangled. Um But yeah, so like the first like three of them and they were doing it in like three separate counties or I think maybe it was two cities in a county. So like it was three different police forces who were like finding these bodies. So it took them a little bit to realize, oh, wait, maybe this is all connected. Um, Mm. But yeah, so like I said, so most of them were sex workers. And then the um, like the fourth body that the book talks about is a quote unquote good girl. And like even like the author like puts in there that it's a good girl in quotes. Um, I.e. not a sex worker yeah basically is what he's trying to say is like it's like this is one that people would say is a good but like i think he's also trying to call like attention to the fact that like just because you're a sex worker does not mean you deserve to be murdered fun fact um so i think the author did like a good job of that so like that's like the first one so that's kind of when finally like people are like oh my gosh and like around that time is like when the three police agencies are kind of all figuring it out and linking it together he spends a huge chunk of this book like talking about like the mental state of ken um because like at one point he gets um they bring like a psychologist in or whatever and they're like oh he might have like multipersonality personality disorder or whatever or mm. did dissociative identity disorder is what they call it now not that and, that excuses anything but yeah it does make but it, it was more understandable yeah and so like that one is that like the alter steve is the one who does the killing which is why ken doesn't remember them And then there's like a nine-year-old alter, but then he was like interviewed by like a lot of other ones. And it was inconclusive. Like they did not all agree that this is what it is. Um, So it's like, I mean, people lie. Exactly. So it's like, is it, is it, is it not like, who knows? Um, People can learn about this on their own and make their own decisions. But what I also really liked though, is that the book starts with how Ken is caught. the murders in bellingham which is the whole reason that i was even reading the book so i was excited to start there perfect um so like late 70s mid 70s whatever happen um ken has like met a woman kelly married her they have a kid uh they move up to bellingham because that's where she grew up um and so they're like up there he's working for a security company she i honestly don't remember what she does um but And so, like, that's how they end up here. And so the two women who he kills in Bellingham are Karen Mandick and Diane Wilder. So um, Karen had, like, met Ken. He was a security... So she worked at Fred Meyer. And he was, like, a security guard there. This was, like, back when, like, Fred Meyer was, like, way more than just groceries. Like, this was kind of, like, a bougie place you might go to get your groceries and your things.
1: Um, I didn't know Fred Meyer was ever bougie. I mean, like I know that they have like a clothes and shoe section, but yeah, <laughs> I
0: don't know it was like Fred G. Meyer, like it's back when oh, it was like the yeah less so it, mainstream. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Then yeah, except so that's where she like met him, and so and like in the book, the author talks about that like she is like not a trusting gal, like she wants to she needs to figure out like what your intentions are before she's gonna trust you she's just not just gonna like go randomly run off of some man she just met she's not gonna be like walking around in the dark like she's a smart gal if you will like she yeah so like and she has like her wits about her basically like not not your typical easy victim i guess is kind of what they're saying and she's also like super reliable which is how they actually discover that they're dead so fast um but so she had got a message, I think, from Ken that was like, hey, I'm going to pay um, this company because he's a security guard who like um, in like a really rich neighborhood, which is mm-hmm. also like a really rich neighborhood even today. So I thought that was fun. Um, but there's like all these like uh, security companies or uh, all the houses have security uh Devices, alerts, whatever. Like somebody opens your door, the alarm goes off, whatever the heck that's called.
1: Like a, the security systems, like yeah. ADT
0: or whatever. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So they all have that. And that's like what he works for, is one of them that everyone has basically. And he's like, hey, these people are like out of the country and something went wrong with their alarm. um And they want somebody to be actively in them because the alarm has to be shut off so it can be fixed. And so they're going to pay you a $1,000 to come here for an hour while it's being fixed and watch the home. And she was like, wow, that's awesome. And also she knows Ken and has known him for a while and trusts him.
1: Like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, like no. this
0: isn't like just some like random guy that she met like one time at work. Like they worked together for like a year or something like that. Like she knows this guy or she thinks she does obviously. Cause turns out she doesn't. Um, but she's like, so that's how she like got the trust. And she was like, yeah, no, like this seems legit and real. And like, these people have a lot of money. So they probably do have a lot of valuables and they're like in Europe. So like, just like yeah i can see how this would be and so she uh talks to her roommate who is diane and so they decide that they're gonna go together or i think they're roommates they're either roommates or best friends i can't remember exactly but i think they're roommates um they're gonna do it together and split the fee because that's the other one of like hey it's even safer if there's two of us right like power and numbers everything like that yeah and so um, she's supposed to be working a shift at uh freddie's karen is and so she tells her boss she was like hey um, I got this offer. Like, can I take a long lunch and go and do this? And then I'll be back by nine o'clock. And he's like, you know what? You're a great employee. You're super trustworthy. Also, that's awesome that you're going to get this much money for like an hour's work. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you can do this. That'll be fine. So she leaves, she like picks up Diane, they go out there and nine o'clock rolls around. She doesn't come back. And he's like, okay, like this is, this is pretty out of character. She wouldn't have called and said that she was running late by 11 o'clock, he's like, something has happened. Like they are dead in a ditch or maybe not dead, but he's like concerned. He's like, something has happened. Like she is too good of a girl. She's too trustworthy. She's too good of an employee. She wouldn't just not show up. Yeah, exactly. She wouldn't do this. So he calls the cops and um, the cops had like just recently gotten a new uh, chief of police and he was an outsider. So like for a lot of times in this, um, this like, this time basically is that it was really common just to promote from within especially for these like smaller communities which bellingham was at the time so Mm -hmm. this guy had come out and he realized like when he like got there that like these are a lot of really good officers they just haven't been given the training or anything to like really kind of like bring them up so he gave them all like all the training he could they're like forensic guy like super into it is really good so he sent him to like every single fbi training and the like that he possibly could to like so the bellingham police force at this time is like freaking top notch so when they get the call they're like they take all the information and they're like okay yep we're gonna go out and we're gonna go look right now we're gonna go see what we can find like they're like you know if if we waste two hours and it turns out that they're home and there's a perfectly logical reason they're like that's the goal like let's hope we waste two hours of our day and there's a perfectly logical reason why this gal isn't back at work like she said
1: she would. That should be the attitude always. Like, oh, just, absolutely. Yeah. Just check. Just check. Yeah, just go check. Like,
0: like take I hate this, time. like,
1: 24-hour rule, honestly, where they're like, well, they haven't been missing for 24 hours. It's like, you really think their family and friends don't know them well enough to know whether or not they would actually run away? Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, If, if it's really common for my friend to disappear for 24 hours, yeah, I might
0: wait. Sure. But no. So they no. go to the home because he could he wasn't sure what the address <clears throat> excuse me was that um the girl was gonna the girls were gonna be at like she mm-hmm. hadn't told him because that was like part of it they're like hey like don't tell people like for security reasons what it is because like we don't want people knowing that the security is going to be down um karen did end up telling one person he like used to be i think he's like a retired cop or something like that i can't remember exactly uh, but she did end up telling one person she was like because she trusted him enough not to like come steal or share the information but was like i still feel like somebody should know where i'm going um it was like the cops like go to the house they're not there um i can't remember exactly how they like figure out the address of the other one, so they kind of go there that's not there at like 2 a.m or like yeah it's like 2 a.m somebody's oh who else was it i think he i think that um the boss guy like also calls a friend who was like a retired cop and it's just like hey like this is what's going on i have this feeling and so that person is also like doing their own sort of side investigation as like being a friend or whatever Mm-hmm. and so it all kind of comes out and like this is like in the span of like eight hours Like this is like by the next morning they have pretty much figured out like they have woken up every single person that they possibly could to figure this out um and they figure out like diane had a cat that she adored and the cat went everywhere with her and the cat is at home when they open the door is at home and is starving hasn't been fed and they're like that's that- not good. yeah the friends are like and family are like that's not normal like she loved that cat more than she loved anything. Like that cat is either going to be with her, or she would have had plans to have it fed. Like that's not normal. And they're like, "Wow, yeah, okay, something has happened. We believe you. That's um, a
1: sign for me too. If my animals are not fed, something's wrong.
0: Yeah, something has happened.
1: Um, and so they end up like
0: putting out like a bolo for the car. And like the next morning, and like and they did it like lickety split too. So it's like on all the radio stations. So like the next morning, this woman's listening, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I think I saw that car." when I was on my walk this morning or something And so she like walks back to the see, and like doesn't get close because it's like don't approach the vehicle if you see it but she like right. doubles back just to make sure because it's like she lives kind of like a dead end cul-de-sac that's like tucked away and she was like you wouldn't see it unless you live there and you know to look so it's just, like dark yeah it's like a dark green and it's just like perfectly like there's enough like shrubbery that it's just mm. perfectly tucked away from people driving by got it And so it's like, honestly, kind of like happenstance and luck that she happens to discover this. But so she goes and she's like, yep, that's it. And she calls it in their bodies are in the car. And they're like, "Okay, shit, this happened. And then so they go and they like put out the tape for the crime scene. The author said that this is 100 percent the best by the book crime scene forensic of all time. Like not a single error was made, in wow. either the crime scene at the car or when they discovered the home that the gals were at, not a single error was made in any of it. Like they took every single possible. Like there's like little floaties around that they like took, and like we're like, oh, let's see if this floatie's important. Who knows? Like a cotton even the floatie. details. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they like do all of this. um Can't remember exactly how they come about it being Ken, um, but they do, and like, but by all accounts, like every single person is like, it's not going to be him. Like, he's like, he's an upstanding member of society. He has a kid, this thing, this, that, and the other thing. Um, When they're like, Hey, like, sorry, we got to take you in. He's like,
1: you know, you got to do what you got to do. Like they literally always say that about like serial killers though. Like it's usually somebody that your neighbors and your family and friends are like, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like more often than not. Yeah.
0: So like, cause even like him and like his wife, they're like, they're like oh this is gonna I, well and this is what the book says about him but who knows what he was really thinking um right but basically is that like he's like yep like you're like you gotta do what you gotta do and like i see why i was a suspect because i was driving the truck that was like there was a truck that was kind of seen that was one of the work trucks is that the other thing there's all these reasons as to why um but he was like, you know, like, you're gonna, you're gonna find the real guy and you're going to clear my name. And this is going to be a funny story that I tell in a couple of years. Like, you just got to do what you got to do. And if it was my family or like my wife, I would hope he would do the same to anyone else. Like and everyone is on board. Everyone is like, Oh my God. Like, yep. Nope. Not going to be this guy. And so then, but like more and more evidence, it's all kind of circumstantial. Like they don't actually have anything to pin him down, um, but it kind of just like keeps going and going and going. And then Eventually, through all of this, I can't remember exactly what it was because I'll be honest, I started to skim the book um because like the Bellingham chapter was the exciting chapter, and then it got really boring because then it like talked about his childhood and his mom, and then it got boring to hit him <laughs> and like his brain and the killings in L.A. and I was just like, I don't care anymore. Go back to the fun <sighs> Bellingham part. So I guess be- they
1: try to give like a full picture, but I also have a hard time like with those parts where they try to humanize them like i know yeah. that they're also people but it's like but look what they did
0: yeah exactly um so basically what it is is that um i can't remember, i don't remember how but they were going they like basically proved it was him and he was gonna be executed for the two killings in Bellingham. and he was like ah, hold on, if you don't kill me i might have some information about some other killings that i may have done in la because it was like Oh, because it was um the Bellingham police were like asked, like, he was like, Oh, they like reached out to the folks down in LA. Those, and they're like, Do you have like any background information that you can give on these ones? Because, like, this is the person they killed, and the person that he talks to it like the LA police is like, Oh my God, like, that's the exact MO of my hillside strangler cases. Like, what the heck? So, like, mm-hmm. is it going to be connected and everything? But yeah, so that's basically how he gets out of um, not being. Not getting being executed is that he agrees to uh, give them information about the LA killings. And then somehow his cousin, because like they knew like all the LA ones, they were like, it had to be two men who like moved these bodies. Like there's just no way. Oh, um, so then
1: they knew there was another one.
0: Yeah. So like the LA ones did. So they were like, okay. And so, yeah. So I can't remember exactly how the cousin gets brought in. So, like I said, I skimmed a lot of that and that part was boring because I only cared about that Bellingham part. Um, but and also the book was written before um angelo the cousin's trial had wrapped up and so it does have like a kind of like an epilogue that like touches on the after like because i have the version i have is like the the second edition basically where they're like hey we know more things now um mm-hmm. so it touches on it a little bit but i was like Meh, i don't care i already had all the facts so wow um all in all i'm just i'm like between like a three three and a half because like i really liked his writing style and his investigative like that was really it was very well done a lot of information without being weird and gory like they did not need to touch in on that like painted a perfectly good picture of murders without telling me all the nitty-gritty which i really appreciated um but spent way too much time in my opinion on like let's deep dive into this person who killed a bunch of women like i really don't care about that part um but like that was the kind of his whole point was like i think of it was like what makes a killer blah 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 is kind of where he was going with it um it just was it was too much it like drug on for too long like there was literally probably like 50 60 maybe 100 pages of just like him and his wife and like how they met and um, him and like his mom hears. and like that why he had to like go live with his cousin and it's like homie bah, boring
1: Um yeah I think, especially like since we have done, well, not necessarily like in the podcast, but just like in general, like you and I have like read a lot about true crime and then like we've listened to other true crime podcasts. I think over the years, like I initially found it like really interesting how like the killer's minds works, but at a certain point, it's like they're just murderers. Like mm-hmm. there's not always similarities. And like I'm much more interested in knowing like about like the, the victims. Absolutely was way more focused on the victims. Oh, which good. Which I thought was really nice. It does talk about um the the person and like his background and stuff too. It kind of goes back and forth to kind of like show other things he's done. But even in those, they talk about the victims in those like early years of his life. Mm-hmm. So I did um, a Need to Kill by, I'm like, is it Petit or Pettit? I think it's Pettit. Um, Mark Pettit. P-E-T-T-I-T because there's no E at the end, right? So that's Pettit. Yeah, I think Pettit. I think that's Pettit. And I was yeah. like, I said it in my brain a bunch. And then I was, I questioned it once I said it out loud. I don't know. Um, yeah, It's uh, called A Need to Kill. It's the true crime account of Jean Jobert, Nebraska's most notorious serial child killer. Oh. So he does murder children.
0: Okay. I was wondering if it was a child who killed or a person
1: who kills children. That was my question too. Yeah. I was like, is he a child? <laughs> he is really young. So he okay. gets arrested. And I think he's like 20, 21. So mm-hmm. he is really young. He starts having... Um, fantasies about murdering people at around age six. Oh, wow. So my book, kind of like yours, how it had like a follow-up to um, the first section of it. Mine's like a 30-year anniversary edition. So it has like uh, the person that wrote the book, Mark Pettit, he went and he actually interviewed John Joe Bear. Um, or I think in 87, initially, roughly, mm-hmm. um, they had some conversations and he was like, I don't know if John's gonna be mad at me or what, but he wanted to also talk to him again right before he got executed. So John was, um, arrested in, I think, December of 1983, end of the year and uh he was executed in 1996 he was on death row for 12 years mm. i guess they kept no. you know petitioning and trying to delay it or whatever and eventually the supreme court was like enough is enough you execute this man yeah um i mean he killed children <laughs> no one wants you to survive and he also very clearly would do so again is the mm-hmm. thing is like he didn't seem like he really had a lot of remorse it was clear in some of his relationships with other people and like he'd had like a a friend that was within like his like age group of boys he killed boys um young boys which is just horrible um not that it would matter either way it's just awful Mm -hmm. he had like the friends like he clearly has some empathy to some degree which i always find really interesting um Mm -hmm. but not not enough obviously (laughs) to to override that that need to kill um so it does talk about him in the past when he was younger i'm not doing this in the order for the book at all really i'm doing it more chronologically because that's how my brain works Mm -hmm. um So in when he was younger, uh, I don't really care about like his family, whatever his dad left or something like that. But essentially he started attacking people like one that vividly like comes to mind is that he's like riding his bike and he just like stabs a girl in the back and like with a pencil and breaks it off. And he's only like 12. Wow. He just like stabs her in the back. And he, John Jobert told Mark Pettit like about these things. He was never necessarily like charged with anything because no one ever caught him before. Mm-hmm. He moved around quite a bit when he was younger. Um he would do things like just walk around with a knife and look for victims of opportunity really. He didn't seem to necessarily always plan it out. Although some of his victims he did say like, oh, I saw them and then I knew they were going to be there or he was looking for a specific person but encountered somebody else instead. Mm-hmm. Like there's one scenario where he was looking for this girl who he'd seen at a bus stop a few times and then she wasn't there. And so he attacked somebody else. Um but he would literally just like walk up to somebody and then just slit their throat and walk away. Wow. Just most people survived. Yeah. Or he would just stab them. Like he just like had these fantasies and like, he didn't really understand that like, these are real people who it's happening to. He just knew that he was fulfilling that need that he Mm -hmm. had, which is just gross. Um, basically most of this story takes place, um, in Nebraska. So in Bellevue, Nebraska, he was part of, I don't remember some branch of the military. Um, but there's a, an air base in Bellevue and that's like 30 minutes South of me at this point. Oh, wow. Um, so he was there and he was a boy scout troop, like assistant, So he had exposure to lots of young boys and nobody suspected that it would be John. Like no one thought it was going to be him. Mm -hmm. Um, Previously before moving to Nebraska, right before he went into the military, he did kill somebody, I believe in Maine, Um, Ricky Stetson, who I, he was only like 10. He was just like on a jog and like his dad had like driven past him and he was like, Hey Ricky, what are you doing? He's like, I'm on a jog. And he's like, okay, see you at home. And when he ran behind like the school or a grocery store or something, John just on his bike just murdered this child. Like I can't even imagine like just that's what you just do with your free time. Like it's just how you it's your hobby. I guess the way he like portrays it so matter of factly is just like really chilling, especially because he's so young himself when he does Mm -hmm. all these things. Like he's only like 18, I think, when he murders Ricky. And so it's just like a little horrifying. Um But in Nebraska specifically, because that's why I chose this book, that's where he got arrested. And that's where he committed the next two murders that caused him to get arrested, essentially. So his first uh, victim in Nebraska was Danny Joe Eberly, And he was 13 years old. He was a paper boy. He went out one morning uh, to deliver his papers. He picked up the papers. He was, like, organizing them into his bag. And John approaches behind him. It's, you know, the 80s, people are fairly friendly towards strangers, and John asks him, like, I don't remember what, but some sort of, like, kind of innocuous question um, to kind of get his attention, and uh, throws him in his trunk. Oh. Yeah, so... The family obviously is like, huh, that's weird that he's not dropping off his papers because everyone knows who their paper boy is in 1983. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, people who normally receive their papers are starting to call his parents. And they're like, that's so strange. Like, I don't know why he wouldn't be there. Maybe some, like, maybe he, like, ran off with a friend or whatever or got distracted. You know, he's a 13-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. But his mom was like, no. This morning when he walked out the door, she had this, like, feeling that she should not let him go. And, like... I couldn't imagine like living with that, like mm-hmm. knowing that you had that feeling, but you were like, oh, that's not justified. There's no reason for me to tell my kid not to go do his job today. Yeah. You know? And like Danny Joe, it uh, the book goes into a lot of detail about like who these kids were, which I really love. It includes like notes from their parents, um, yeah, he was, like, a very meticulous, like, clean kid. I guess, like, one of his big things was, like, having very white socks. He had, like, his own special, like, bleach concoction for, like, <laughs> cleaning his socks. And, like, he had, like, four or five siblings. And so everyone always, like, gave him shit for his socks. But um, John kept uh, Danny Joe alive for a little bit. I It doesn't talk about it in detail, so I'm not actually positive that there was any actual sexual assault. But there was clearly some sort of sexual desire mm. going on. But I don't think there's actually any assault. Um, At least it was not made clear. So he does, though, end up when he does finally kill the boys. It doesn't go into too graphic of details, but it does talk about him like stabbing them and tying them up. He strips them naked and leaves them outside. He left them in a field. So... The FBI get called because this boy has obviously not come home. Everyone's starting to freak out at this point because it's, you know, nighttime and in Iowa. So where um, Omaha is, it's literally on the border to Iowa. And in mm-hmm. Iowa, um, I think like six months to a year beforehand, there had been a similar situation where a paper boy went missing and never returned. They never found his body. But Mm -hmm. the FBI, who are located in Omaha, it was like red flags. They were like, oh, no, like, it's got to be similar. They didn't end up being related at all, at least not that they could prove in any way, shape, or form, or that John mentioned. Mm -hmm. But um, that's kind of what, like, set it into motion so fast, really? I mean, other than a 13-year-old boy being missing, like, the fact that there had been a similar instance pretty close by. So the FBI gets involved pretty much right away. And um, after, like, 48 hours, they start looking for a body and not – a person you know Mm -hmm. they're like we're no longer trying to find him we're trying to find his body so they do find him in the field it's just oh i couldn't i couldn't imagine like all the fbi agents that they talk about like having to do it like it's like a moment where it's just like i've never seen anything like this in all my time in the fbi because they're children like Mm -hmm. it's a child like who would do this so um, the police force and the FBI are pretty frantic to try to find it, especially because they think that it's potentially connected to another one. So they already right off the bat, just with the one body, assume that it's a serial situation. Um, the gross part is that the day that Danny Joe went missing, or maybe it was the next day, it had been like in the paper. Um, John had gone to his voiced out troop and he sat there while the parents were freaking out about their kids. And he would just listen And it was like, oh, yeah
0: yeah that must be
1: must be knowing that it was him like i just oh oh. Mm -hmm. like that would be just heartbreaking so uh after danny joe um john kind of lays low for a couple of months the rope used on danny joe i guess was like really unique and they'd never seen it before so the fbi is like searching high and low um to try to find out where this rope is. Like they literally like looked through other countries. They're assuming that it's going to be an older person because of how organized the situation was. Like mm. it was very clean. He would like carve something into their leg too. So it was like a very, they assumed it was an older person. So they start essentially going around and interviewing everybody who has, um, like sexual assault cases. So they do talk a lot about, um, other men in the area that have been accused of child molestation. Um, luckily some of those people do get arrested because they get surfaced so that's kind of nice but they don't get to john because he's had no convictions before he's never had anything there's no reason to suspect him Mm -hmm. so john's real cocky um john's next victim is another victim of opportunity this is the person that he ended up picking because that girl wasn't at the bus stop one day and it's winter and the this little boy chris walden is walking to school and his mom had thought about driving him that day and then she didn't and so he's walking to school and he just he um like I think he threatens him with a gun or something and then shoves him into the car but there were witnesses there were people who actually saw this happen and th- at the time they thought like oh it's a older brother or a dad or something they're just arguing um so they didn't really think much of it but um john again keeps uh chris alive for a little while but does the same thing strips him naked bounds stabs carves something into him leaves him out in the snow because it's December. Yeah. It's winter. Like they don't find him for a while. Somebody who's hunting ends up finding him when they think they shot a pheasant or something. So then they stumble across him. So that's just absolutely awful to find that. I couldn't imagine finding something like that, especially Mm -hmm. a child. Like I couldn't imagine finding a body in general, but particularly a child. So obviously the FBI calls in more people. Things get a little crazy. Everyone's in a panic in Omaha. And the sheriff of the town, is like pick on somebody your own size he basically issues like a challenge to him he's like what a coward like who kills little kids yeah. he's like you know how easy it is to kill a child like ch- children are trusting like of course you were able to murder children like mm-hmm. so he issues him a challenge and this is how john gets caught is because he's been challenged he makes a mistake so john decides that he's gonna pick on somebody his own size he picks a woman which I'm like, okay, that's not what the sheriff meant, but okay. Yeah, like,
0: whatever. Like, like You're getting a little closer, but still not what he was saying.
1: Yeah, he, like, approaches, like, a daycare center that he thought was going to be a church. And he, like, tries to force his way inside, but this lady, like, rips the door open and runs. And um, she memorizes his license plate. So she memorizes the license plate. She, like, says it to herself over and over and over again. And she can hear the car behind her, so she thinks he's going to try to run her over. But really, John just panicked, too, because he's like, shit, she's going to know. And then he like tries to convince himself that like, he's going to be safe and he's going to be fine. Once he like goes back to the barracks, he's like, I'm going to go into my room. Nobody knows I'm in this room. It's going to be okay. They're not going to ever find me. Um, She is able to get to somebody else regurgitate the license plate number. He actually has a rental car at this point. So the car that they thought they were looking for, it wasn't that one. So there was a little bit of confusion there. Like, wait, that's not the car that was described before. It hypnotized those people that had witnessed, um, getting kidnapped and mm. they had given some details but they were kind of conflicting yeah um hypnotism is not a perfect system yeah so uh basically they end up using that license plate number to track back to john john does try to say like oh i mean i was just gonna rob her because my car's in the shop and i needed money i wasn't gonna do anything but they figure out which car is his and like it matched some of the descriptions enough and eventually john just does confess and like say yeah, I did it, and then like gives all the details and everything. So I I feel like they broke him pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but it's also a book, so like it may the time progression is hard. Yeah. Um, like they order him like a burger, and I'm just like, oh, I think that's gross, but I get it. Like, yeah, they gotta yeah. do what they gotta do to gotta get him to talk. To deal, Yeah. Yeah. So he does um, end up getting arrested then in 1983. And, like I said, on death row for 12 years and executed in 1996. I think he's the last person who was executed in Nebraska. Um.
0: Hmm.
1: Because we don't have a ton of big serial killers, yeah, but getting
0: caught there and everything. I
1: really appreciated that the book focused on the victims. Like I said, there are letters from their mothers in here. Like it talks so much in detail about like what these boys' lives were like, who they were. Most like both of them are, all three of them were like very kind and like athletic and just like kind of all American boys. Like mm-hmm. it's just like who who would do this. Um, There is in here like the diagnosis or the diagnostic impression, it says, from the um, like court hired psychiatrist. And so they did give him potential diagnoses of sexual sadism, obsessive compulsive disorder, and then schizoid personality disorder. So, you know. There's some mental stuff going on, not that it excuses absolutely anything, especially when there's just this absolute lack of empathy and understanding that other people are experiencing actual pain. Yeah. So it was horrible, but it was, I I think book-wise, five out of five. I loved the focus on the victims. Like, I really felt like I got to know, like, each of the boys. Um. And while it did give background on John, it wasn't, it wasn't focal at all. It mm-hmm. didn't, like, give him a platform, you know, yeah. to try to get empathy. So, It was a really good pick. Well, good.
0: I mean, it's also nice to hear the place you chose to move to at least doesn't have a whole lot of serial killers for you to choose from. Like I said,
1: highways my biggest concern.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah, that's kind of sketchy one because yeah, who knows what's doing out there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, we understand that true crime isn't for everyone, but we hope you enjoyed this. I don't feel like we went too bad on any of the graphic details or anything like that. Hopefully not. Um, we do have another mini coming up. And then our last one on Halloween Ooh. is just, you know, your generic, scary, spooky stuff, uh, which should be really fun to see what we come up with. So come back, listen to that Um, real quick. We'll just run through the social media. So we have Instagram, isn't it past your bedtime? Twitter, I-I-P-Y-B underscore pod. And the TikTok, isn't past your bedtime? And yeah, I think that's, that's everything that we got. So we will talk to all of y'all later. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye.